Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Is the NFL overdoing it? What is your honest opinion? Not I think, take away, I think everybody's take away just like overwhelmed your feelings with- for Taylor. What is your honest opinion <laughs> on how the NFL is treating uh, celebrities at games? I think it's fun when they show uh, who all is at the game. You know, I think uh, I think it brings a little bit more to the atmosphere, brings a little bit more to, to what you're watching. Um, but at the same time, I think uh, they're overdoing it. They're, they're overdoing it a little bit, for sure, especially my situation. Uh-oh. Travis thinks they're overdoing it. And the NFL actually issued a statement pushing back, which is kind of dumb, frankly. Just let it go. We know what the NFL is doing. They're leaning into it fully and completely because they can make money from it. And Taylor's making money from it. I mean, every pregame show, every game, what was there? There was a commercial for that movie that's going to gross a billion dollars that comes out on October 13. What a, what a, what a, and look, I respect this. I respect this. And, I'm, I'm a big proponent of hard work, but I'm also a big proponent of taking the work you've already put it in and leveraging it to other revenue streams. She did that concert tour. They filmed it, and now they're going to put it in theaters, and it's going to make a billion dollars. So I, is the NFL overdoing it? Yes. Is Travis Kelsey in a position to complain about it? No. Is Taylor Swift in a position to complain about it? No. She likes it. He likes it. They all like it. They're all making money from it. And this idea that celebrities, he also said celebrities don't go to these games to be put on TV. Really? (laughs) I thought he was a celebrity. I thought he understood how it works. The very existence of celebrity is to see and be seen. You don't go to a game thinking, oh, I'm going to try to hide behind this disguise. You sit courtside at the basketball game. You sit in the suite at the football game. You, you sit don't behind home plate at the baseball game. You go game. in your full glory. Yes, exactly. God, yeah, ringside no. at a boxing match. You want to be seen there. I, yeah. You want your legend to grow. I'm not mad it's at asinine. anybody here. I'm I love you, Travis. At, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I mean, embrace it. It is what it is right now. First off, I love when they show the stars of the game. It's an event. It makes the game seem bigger. It feels bigger watching on TV. Right. So it adds to it. And of course, it's the greatest sport in our in our country right now. The most popular. It's not even close. So, yeah, I mean, I I love that. I think the network should always do that no matter what, you know, and and then too, like, yeah, so what? The NFL is capitalizing on the fact that, yeah, there's a a faction of the world and, and America that never really watched football, but because the most famous person in the world is watching it, now there's more watching and all that. Like, so what? What 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 business doesn't do that? You know, and then that Taylor Swift's a business too, and so is you know Travis Kelsey. So I'm not mad at any of it, and I think it's fun. And I you know I I don't you know I I I'm really kind of liking seeing the the, the star studded environment we're seeing out there around Taylor Swift and all that. And here's the bottom line. Regardless of how real or not real this relationship may be, and there are plenty of people who think it's fugazi, that it's, it's, it's calculated. I, 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 I choose to be optimistic about, you know, the, the romantic aspect of it and two people have found each other and they're laying the foundation for a possible life together, et cetera, et cetera. But, but 
Travis Kelsey's 34. He turns 34 today. And he's been very open with his aspirations post-football. He wants to be an actor. There have been plenty of players who think they're going to be actors who just aren't any good at it and can't get off the ground with it and just think you just show up and look good and be big and strong and you can become the rock. It doesn't happen that way. But with this, with this plutonium that Travis Kelsey has gotten his hands on, it can happen. So whether he intended it or not, this is the gateway for him to do exactly what it is that he's trying to do. And it all supposed to seem natural, but at some level, if it's a little contrived, if it's a little engineered, if it's a little ends justifies the means, if it's a little bit, it helps me get to where I want to go in my next career. So be it. Again, I respect the hustle. They're, I get right, yeah, in your they're riding the wave. I do think it, like, again, I, I got pretty good knowledge that it happened organically. I do. I, I do think it's real there. Now, like, yeah, are they going to ride the wave of, hey, whoa, I can get this because of this now and I can do that because of this now? Sure. I mean, we all would. Right. But I don't know. I think pretty much like the the, the page six up here and all that, I'm pretty sure they reported like Kelsey maybe stayed at Taylor Swift's apartment Sunday night or was there for a significant amount of time. Right. I mean, I don't think these guys they're going through all, and all these hoops just to be like, hey, I'm going to go buy the apartment just to fool the paparazzi. So they think we're even more real. Right. I, I don't think it's going that far. I do think this is real. And yeah, they're kind of just, you know, having fun with it. Like like a lot of stars do in this in this department. Well, if it if it is real, real or not, we know how these things go. They rarely last 50 years. Other than Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward, they rarely last 50 years. So at some point, it's going to have the highs and lows. Boy meets girl. Boy loses girl. Maybe boy finds girl again. Who knows? But the NFL is milking it for all it's worth while it lasts. And Travis Kelsey thinks the NFL is overdoing it. I think the NFL is overdoing it. You think the NFL is overdoing it. I don't have a problem with it in theory. I don't think you have a problem with it no. in theory. Nope. And I fully expect it to continue, and I expect her to be it. I mean, she knows at this point, after going to two games, she knows what's going to happen when she goes. If she shows up at U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday, we know what's going to happen. They got that Thursday night game coming up against the Broncos. We know what's going to happen uh, if she's there. If she keeps going, it's going to continue to be a spectacle and the ratings will show. I don't know. Will people get used to it at some point? I think at some point. I don't know. Are the Swifties so smitten with any opportunity to see Taylor Swift that they're going to tune into football even if they're not interested, that they're just going to keep doing it? Oh, today's the day that I get to see Taylor having a drink and talking to her friends. I mean, like, really, she's really not, she's not performing. It's just her kind of in a an open-air party that you can see on TV. Like, for how long is that going to attract her fans to tune into these games? I, 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 I'd build with you. I mean, they're going to tune in. They're the craziest, awesomest, like, most loyal fan base I've ever seen in my life, let alone she's the most popular thing in the world. Like I said, I, I grew up in the Michael ja- Jackson Madonna era. I don't remember anybody except for Michael Jackson maybe ever having a summer like I just saw with Taylor Swift. Uh, that, that's what I'll just say. I mean, she had a concert in an 80,000 stadium, and she could have had another concert outside the stadium if she wanted. I never saw any. Every night, the news, local, national, whatever, it was Taylor Swift. I mean, the freaking girl dipped ranch and ketchup together, and Heinz was like, let's produce a bottle of Heinz and and, ran- and ketchup and ranch together and start selling it because the, the Swifties saw it, and they put it out the next week. I mean, I, it's insane. It's it's really insane, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I really am. I think it's cool. I heard on the Jaguars-Falcons broadcast that she's got six shows, six at Wembley Stadium, sold out next summer. Six already sold out next summer. Wembley is gigantic, and when you allow like people to fill the, the – I mean, it's like what, 80, 90, 100,000 people in there. Six shows 
sold out at Wembley Stadium next summer. All right. Uh, <laughs> you love this for, subject. For everybody out there, Florio was pissed we were going to come back with Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. He, well, there's got nothing to do with anything we're going to talk about. Right. I don't want to talk. I told be, you be, I didn't want be. it, Pete. I don't even want it. And you sound like you're the biggest fanboy around right here. I mean, come on. <laughs> Let's be realistic. What happened was when we got the outline last night, this was supposed to be all of segment two, and it became all of segment two. But it's, there's so much else going on. Like, what is there to really say about it? And we've discovered about 10 minutes worth of things <laughs> exactly, to say about it. Exactly. Uh, so I guess there's plenty to still be said about it. But it is kind of funny that Travis Kelsey is trying to push back against it. I mean – and maybe he's just trying to be modest, trying to be measured. I don't know. He benefits from it. She benefits from it. NFL benefits from it. The only danger, Chris, is this. By leaning into it the way the NFL is, you're going to cause people to think that the NFL now has favoritism for the Chiefs, and that fuels this thing about the the holding penalty on Sauce Gardner, there was that play, the long Isaiah Pacheco run, yeah, where, they, where one of the Chiefs' offensive linemen grabs the leg. He does a wrestling move, grabs the leg, and rolls, does the gator roll with the guy's leg to keep him from getting to Pacheco. You're going to have people who think that the league is looking the other way on Chiefs' penalties and overcalling fouls on their opponents because they want the Chiefs to win because this makes the story better. Taylor Swift is there, and they keep winning. And – Oh, they keep winning and she keeps showing up and they keep winning and they keep winning. And like the NFL is trying to help them win. That's the danger of leaning into this because you're going to have people who think that something is going on. And I don't think something is going on, but I think people will think something is going on. Chris, that's that's the harm of the NFL embracing this too strong. I, I hear you that. I, I hear you. I mean, uh, you're right. I know. And and people already have that thought a little bit about the Chiefs, that they get breaks and they get all the calls. And, you know, again, that goes goes with the territory with any great team we've ever saw. People were saying the same thing with the Patriots. Same People were saying the same thing about the Bulls in the 90s, whatever. You know, but, yeah, I, I, hear, your, I hear what you're saying there. I do. All right. Back to – Football. Football. Back to New England goes J.C. Jackson. Persona non grata with the Los Angeles Chargers traded in a Cam Akers type of a package. Akers was traded to the Vikings for a flip-flop of sixth and seventh round picks in 2026. The J.C. Jackson trade includes a flip of sixth and seventh round picks in 2025. So we're at least one year closer, but it's still bottom of the barrel picks. The Chargers get a six. The Patriots get a seven. They get J.C. Jackson. The Chargers are going to pay the majority of Jackson's guaranteed salary. And the Patriots are desperate. They've lost Christian Gonzalez for the season with a shoulder injury. So J.C. Jackson comes back to New England. He's made his money elsewhere. The prodigal son returns home. And, hey, it's a it's happening at a time where the Patriots need all the help they can get, Chris. Yeah, they're well, they're banged up in the secondary. That's been an issue for the last, you know, few weeks really. And then last week with Christian Gonzalez getting hurt, that just made it to like, oh crap, like we definitely have to make a move. And it's kind of unbelievable, right? I mean, the Patriots are the team that we, you know, you start off before the year and you go, man, they got DBs growing on trees. And now you sit here and it's going into week five and you're going, damn, that tree is out of the ground and broken and it's been struck by lightning. I mean, they, they are. And we know how important DBs are to what they do, their scheme there. Made a lot of sense. You know, I, I can't say that I was shocked by this. Uh, J.C. Jackson, I, mean, I think we all knew there was issues there with, between him and the Chargers. The play wasn't great last year. Then he got hurt. He came back this year. Sounds like they weren't happy about the play. And they, of course, had their backs and back and forth, I think, behind closed doors. And they knew that that relationship was broken. And Brandon Staley and company are trying to right the ship. And same with the Patriots. And they got a desperate need. And they know this guy and know how he works. And I think it makes sense for both sides here. I really do. Yeah. And uh, I don't know that it's going to make the Patriots any better than they ultimately were. Their issues are more on the offensive side of the ball. But you got to do something to make the team better. You got to do something to beef up that secondary when you've got the injury issues. And this is a guy they know, and maybe he can recapture whatever it was that caused the Chargers to pay him all that money when, in hindsight, they surely wish they had not done so. Let's take a break. When we return, 
Kenny Pickett, Steelers quarterback, knee injury. He says he is playing Sunday. That and more on this Thursday edition of PFT Live. How you feel? Good, good. Be ready to go by Sunday. Were you worried at all that it was going to be worse than what it was? Uh, a little bit from what the doctors were saying. Uh, they were worried about, but got got lucky that it, it was what it was and uh, pushing to go Sunday. Do you have any limitations at all? Um, no, I think by Sunday I'll be good. Kenny Pickett, Steelers quarterback, says he will be good by Sunday. He's got a bone bruise in his knee. Got lucky, looked bad at the time. But uh, so far, so good. He was officially limited in practice, though, on Wednesday. So this may be a repeat for the Ravens of what happened last week. Quarterback's limited in practice, says he's going to play, and then Sunday comes along and he doesn't play. So Ravens could get lucky twice in a row that at the last minute they get the backup to the starting quarterback. That's what happened with the Browns and Deshaun Watson, who was limited all week, said he was going to play, and then ultimately did not. So as the Ravens take on the Steelers, Christopher, Ravens at 3-1 and one and the Steelers at 2-2, two and two, What's more likely, the Steelers' offense scores more than 25 points or the Steelers' defense manages to hold the Ravens under 15? Wow. What's more likely of yeah. the two? You must choose one or the other. Those are the rules. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna go, if you're going to make me choose one or the other, I am going to go Steelers' defense holds Ravens to under 15 points. Even though I'm going to say I don't know if I really envision that happening. I don't. But, like, 25-plus points from the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, that that's the point I just don't I, – I don't see that happening. I don't. First off, the Ravens' defense is good. It's not even totally healthy, as we know, but it's still damn good. It's creative. And the, the Steelers' offense is one of the most underwhelming units in all of football. We know that. So that's where, you know, I have more faith in, I guess is what I'm saying, that the defense can have a, a miraculous, unbelievable showing than I could the offense. And then, of course, the Ravens' offense has not exactly hit on all cylinders and exploded onto the scene here other to, under Todd Munkin either. So that's where I'll lean on that. Last five games between the two teams, only once has a team scored 20 points. The scores have been 16-13, 16-14, 16-13, 20-19, and 19-14 to over the last five games. So I'm with you. It's more likely the Ravens are held under 15 and win yeah, than yeah. the Steelers score more than 25 points. I don't care who they're playing. Right now it feels like this offense can't muster 25 or more points. Let's move on to Chiefs and Vikings, the Netflix quarterback bowl. Watch football, not baseball on Sunday if you're a Minnesota sports fan. I don't know if the Twins are playing that day, but the Vikings are. What's more likely, Patrick Mahomes has two or more interceptions against the Vikings defense, or Kirk Cousins has three or more passing touchdowns against the Chiefs defense? What's more likely, you must choose one or the other. All right. I don't see Mahomes throwing two-plus interceptions two games in a row. So that that's for I'm, – I'm not going there. I think that'll be like – you know, you kind of said it on on Monday. It's, he's going to be, or yeah, it was Monday. You're going to, he's going to be pissed off. You know, he's he's going to be like detailed and determined this week. He's not going to like what he did in that game on Sunday night last week in New York. So uh, I'll go with Kirk Cousins in the three plus TD passes. It, it's 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 an, a defense in Kansas City that will be aggressive. They will play man to man. We know that your offense there in Minnesota, they could throw the ball a little bit, certainly. And Justin Jefferson, crap. I mean, he's almost good for two every game in himself anyways. So uh, that, that's where I'll, I'll lean on that one as well. Kirk Cousins took a Tuesday off, and he might still throw a three touchdown passes. Yeah, and if he had worked on Tuesday, he'd have thrown five. So <laughs> <laughs> jerk. I, I, I'm with you. I, I think maybe it'll be a shootout. I mean, the Vikings are not going to hold them down. The Vikings are going to outscore them if they're going to have a chance. It's like the Chargers game. It's going to be 31-28, 35-31, something like that, where it's, it should be a great game. should be a spectacular game if the Vikings offense can move the ball consistently because especially after what we saw on Sunday night, national television, 27 million viewers, the, the Chiefs, yet again, they, they get their foot on the gas pedal, score 17 points, and the foot slips off, and they can't get it back on, and they almost failed to get it back on in time to win the game against the Jets. Cowboys, 3-1, 49ers, 4-0. Game of the week, Sunday night football, ramifications on the playoff tree. The winner has the inside track to be the one seed. What's more likely, 
the Cowboys and the 49ers combine for more than 50 or they combine for less than 40? I'm going to go for less than 40. Either one is possible. I mean, I certainly could see a 27-24 type of football game, right? I don't think that's crazy, but I don't think I'm going to bet on that. I'm not. I don't think either team has seen a team as complete as the one they're playing here. The 49ers certainly have not seen a defense of the Cowboys' capabilities yet this year. Now, the Cowboys have seen some good defenses. We know that, right? Um, they saw the Jets a few weeks ago, and, and of course, we know they're good. The Patriots' defense is pretty good. But in both of those games, too, what I'll say is the Cowboys' defense scored points and made things happen to help that, too. I don't think any of that happens. So I think we're going to see more of a, a low-scoring affair. Uh, 24-20, 23-20, somewhere along those lines is kind of where I envision this game being played at. This is the part of me that roots for a great game. I'm going to say over 50 just because I'm trying to speak it into existence. Manifestation, intention, power of positive thinking. I want 27-24, 31-28. Those are my favorite kinds of NFL games. Those High scoring, but not ridiculous. Not Arena League 55 to 52. I love 31 28, 34 31. Great back and forth game. And maybe that grass, as Jason Garrett says, it takes a little something out of the Cowboys' defense. Maybe the 49ers' offense can operate a little more efficiently. Kyle Shanahan was funny yesterday. He was asked about the Cowboys picking the brain of former 49ers quarterback Trey Lance. And he said, it's all on film. If they want to spend their time talking to him instead of studying film, good. Do that. Well, yeah. Go, <laughs> right. Please, please. Because everything that he's done against the Cowboys in two playoff games is out there for the world to see. No, I'd be more scared. Of, like, like what? He's not going to be able to say a ton about that, let alone like Steve Wilkes is a new defensive coordinator there. They're not exactly the same as they were, you know, the first few years of Trey Lance's career. So I don't think he's going to have great knowledge there. The, the, the other way is where I'd be a little bit more worried about it where, like, Dan Quinn goes into Trey Lance and he's like, hey, what do you think they're checking to here? And how are they packaging this play together here? And blah, blah, blah. That, to me, is where you can maybe glean something a little bit about the situation. But, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, it's a little bit of an overblown talking point when, when teams kind of get into this at times. Bengals are desperate at one and three. Here's Joe Burrow from yesterday talking about the status of his calf injury and the importance of this weekend's visit to the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, this is the best I've felt after a game, so I'm uh, optimistic. No, my ability to throw is, hasn't been affected, um, ma- mainly just my ability to, to move in the pocket, run for first downs, extend plays by that little extra second. Joe, as part of your thinking right now, we can find a way to win the next two games get to the bye, my calf has a chance to significantly recover. We're just focused on winning this week. We've got to be 1-0 this week. We'll worry about next week when it comes. We'll worry about the bye week when it comes. I'm, I'm laser focused on the day-to-day process right now of getting better. Does it feel like a must-win game to you guys in the locker room? Yes. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. One word, yes. And it is. You can't fall to one and four. You can't lose to the Cardinals and fall to one and four. When you look at the rest of that schedule, no. You get to one and four, you can maybe lose two more, three more, the balance of the entire season, or you're not going to make it into the AFC playoff field, they are getting closer and closer 
to the moment where that window is about to close and they got to run the table. And they, they could end up like one of those teams we saw last year with the Lions and the Steelers where they make a late run, but they don't get in because of all those losses they had early in the year. So this one is critical. The topic at hand then, what's more likely? Joe Burrow has two or more passing touchdowns or Josh Dobbs has an interception. He's only one of three starting quarterbacks who have zero so far this year. The other two are C.J. Stroud and Brock Purdy. Well, this is a tough one. I mean, one, I you know, Arizona's defense is no cupcake here, right? I mean, Arizona's scary in general. They are. They're coached damn well on both sides of the ball. Their offense can sustain drives and stay on the field. I mean, I think, you know, even what we saw last week, they hung around with the 49ers a little longer than we all expected. They've done that every week. I'm going to go Josh Jobs as an interception just because – I got no faith in the Bengals' offense right now. You've been hearing me talk about them and what they do. I'm concerned in every facet. Burrow's throwing it fine. There's no doubt. There's just not that many people to throw to that are open. They're not creative. They can't block anybody in the run game or the pass game. And so for because of that, I don't. I, I got to see them throw two touchdown passes or more in a game first before I jump on the bandwagon of that. And, and Arizona's not bad on the defensive side of the ball. And especially when it's a simple offense versus a smart defensive mind like Gannon to a degree, yeah, I'm going to go with Dobbs throws an interception. And that assessment of his calf is misleading. He said it's the best he's felt after a game. That still doesn't mean it's 100%, although right. he wasn't listed at all on the injury report yesterday, which implies he's not even getting treatment for it. Because if you get treatment, then you get listed as fully participating in practice with your calf injury in parentheses after that. He's not even on the report at all, which means if he's doing anything, he's doing it on his own, off-grid. The team's not doing it. But I still think it can't be 100%. It was just a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, where he, he had that, that obvious aggravation of the calf injury. All right, Jaguars versus the Bills in London early Sunday morning, the Josh Allen Bowl. The last time they played <laughs> yeah. in 2021, Josh Allen had a sack and an interception, and Josh Allen, the quarterback, had no passing touchdowns in two picks. The Jaguars won the game 9-6. to six. So what's more likely, Josh Allen, the defensive lineman, has two or more sacks, or Josh Allen, the quarterback, has two or more passing touchdowns on Sunday. Chris. I'm going to go with my boy Blue on this one. And that Josh Allen has two plus pass touchdowns. I mean, you know, two things. The Bills O-line is as good as we've seen it. That's the first thing I'll say. Like, throughout this little era of McDermott and Josh Allen, this is the best they've played. So, I look at that. Allen is on fire on the offensive side of the ball. Smart. Splash plays, sizzle plays, you got it all going right now. They got it all going as an offensive football team. They got it going as a team. I would sit here and argue that the last three weeks, that right? I I don't know. You might push back. You tell me what you think. But other than the 49ers, I would say the last three weeks, the the Bills have been the most impressive team in football. Uh, that that's how strongly I feel with how they've looked on the field. So yeah, I'm gonna go with my boy Blue, and then he gets the two plus pass TDs in this one. Interesting experiment this time because this is the first time that a team has played right. two straight games in London. The Jaguars have been there and will have been there for over a week. The Bills, I think, are already over there. They've decided to go over early. I think they're there. I think. I never know. It used to be big news like, oh, they're going early. Oh, they're going right before the game. But I think I saw they're already over there. Regardless, the Jaguars are ensconced in London I still think Josh Allen, the quarterback, is going to have the two or more passing touchdowns. They woke up. The Jenga Tower was shaky against the Jets week one, stabilized against the Raiders week two, and the Bills are awake, and the Bills are ready to do what they need to do. So I believe fully in Josh Allen, the quarterback. Well, Nothing against Josh Allen, the defensive No, lineman, we like him but too. But I believe fully in yeah. Josh Allen, the quarterback. Yeah, no, I, I hear you there. And, and you, know, what, what, you know, first off, I love Jenga. Jenga's a great game, okay? Um, other than, Also, though, with, with uh, this, you think it's a good thing or a bad thing that Jacksonville's there all week, right? Like, as a player, I sit there and go, because I know how players can be, 
And I go, I don't think it's a good thing, right? It's, there's too many, oh, I've never seen this. I've never been there. I heard about this hot spot. I heard about this hot spot. So, like, if you're not, like, on lockdown and have a head coach that's on lockdown, I worry that there's a little too much extracurricular stuff going on in a week like this for the Jaguars. I do. That's certainly, like, been a part of my thought in this game and, and kind of trying to figure out who I was going to pick in this one. Coach Doug Peterson's got to have a good plan for keeping things normal, for using it as an opportunity to bond. You better have some group activities where you keep everybody under your thumb instead of letting them all scatter to the wind. There have been some reports of things that happened in Jacksonville, like guys have gotten in some trouble away from, like, wasn't there a time where, like, there were a couple of guys that, like, skipped out on some big bill at one of the clubs in London? There was something weird like that. Oh, I think you're right. There was something like that. There was. You're right. You just got to – you're right. You got to keep the – You really got to. The team – you got to keep them together, and they're there the whole week, and it becomes a vacation, like going to Miami and playing a game. That's what I'm saying. It's a vacation. Right. No, yeah. it's business. Yeah. They went to London for a one-plus-week business trip, and they need to act accordingly. They won the first end of it, but that was the Falcons. A little bit harder with the Bills. Let's take a break. When we return, Thursday Night Football props. Yes. More PFT Live right after this. <laughs> Oh, don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly, plus all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code PFTLIVE when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. All right, Thursday night props. Bears, commanders, yes. Justin Fields over under 193.5 passing yards. He had 335 last week. Chris, are you over? Are you under? Ooh, I think I'm going to go over in this one. You know, the way that they opened up the pass offense, you know, I think with the, their capabilities of being able to run the football a little bit here. Right, I think Washington may be worrying about that a little bit. I think there's going to be some looks for Justin Fields in the past game. To, I'm not to saying he throws for 335 again, but I think he goes over 193. It really is amazing, though. Not just 193, 193.5. The way that the big brains at the sports books crunch all the numbers and come up with that highly specific point where it basically is a coin flip. We were talking about this during the break. It's a coin flip. Unless you have inside information as to what the Bears' game plan is, it's a coin flip. So I'll say over just because that seems kind of low when the guy just had 335, but will it surprise me if they do a rope-a-dope and he's running all over the place tonight? That won't surprise no, me. No, I hear you. That's Prime that's, time. That's remember remember right. that Monday night game against the Patriots last year? He's running all over the place. So it uh, won't surprise me if he's under – basically a coin flip. I'll choose heads. I'll choose over Sam Howell over under 1.5 passing touchdowns tonight. Will the commander's quarterback go over or under the 1.5 Christopher? Ooh, I'm going to go that. <clears throat> I think I'm going to go with the over here on this one as well. You know, one, this is a bears defense that does not defend the, the pass game all that well. Um, they got some. They don't have a great pass rush. They got right uh, Johnson in the secondaries banged up. If I remember correctly about that, right? I'm pretty sure. Uh, Jaquan Brisker as well. Yeah, Eddie Jackson as well. Jalen Johnson. So that that scares me. And like I said earlier in the show, Washington. They got legit weapons, and Sam Howell is. Fearless. I mean, maybe a little too fearless, like you've heard me say. Uh, but you know, they're looking to strike. So I'm going to go with the over here on this one. Once again, I'm trying to manifest a great game tonight. Something out of nothing. So it will be better the more touchdown passes that Sam Howell throws. I'll take the over on that. Let's look at rushing. We've got a full screen here of the various over under rushing totals led by Brian Robinson of the commanders with 65.5. Who's your favorite to go over that rushing total of the names on the list, Chris, all the way down to Sam Howell at 13.5. Well, I, I mean, the, the one that I look at that I just go, well, I'm, I'm going to, it just seems a little too low 
is Antonio Gibson. I mean, he gets a a decent amount of carries, and he's talented to where I just look at it and go 17-5. I mean, if he gets more than, you know, five carries, if he gets three, four carries, uh, I, I think he's got a chance to, you know, get one significant run that gets him close to 17.5. And, again, it's a, a Bears defense that I look at it and go, they're going to have to worry about defending these guys in the pass game and be worried about that a little bit to where I would think there's some good looks in the run game here. I'm going to go fields just because 46.5, that's one play. One play in the game where he sees a crack and he goes. I know. And he's over 46.5. Right. right. One play. You could just watch the whole game and wait for that one moment where he slips through an opening and he's gone for 46 and a half yards or two where he goes about 20, but he's got that capability on any given play. Who's your favorite to go under the rushing totals that we had on that screen? We may want to put it back up to refresh our memories, but under Chris, who are you looking at? Well, it, it, under, oof. It, you know, it, Khalil, Her- Khalil Herbert got the majority of the runs last week for the, the Chicago bear football team. And he played well, you know, all right, I, you know what? I'm going to go with Sam Howell. I don't think Sam Howell is going to rush for over 13.5. That's the one I'm going to go with right there. Right? I, I, I don't see that happening in this group, especially like the Bears are kind of a zone football team where their eyes are always in the backfield. I, I, I have a hard time thinking Sam Howell is going to create much you know, yards and with his legs in this one. Even though it is tempting at that low number, I also will go the under. I think he's going to stay behind the line, and he's going to be looking to get the ball down the field, not run it with uh, his legs. All right, one more category. Sacks. Commander's odds to go over .25 sacks. These are the four names on the list. Montez Sweat is the favorite to go over .25 sacks at plus 100. Chase Young, plus 110. Deron Payne, same. Jonathan Allen, plus 130. Which of those four? And this is just throwing a dart. Who's the best bet to get at least a half sack on Thursday night? I I, I still... If look, anyone. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it, the one I look at is like Montez Sweat, but, but for this reason. I mean, we got a young player at right tackle for the Bears and Darnell Wright, who was a first-round pick. Montez Sweat usually lines up on the offense's right, the defense's left there. And, uh, you know, quite honestly, I think he's their best pass rusher anyway. So I'm going to go with Montez Sweat on that one, even though I know those odds aren't the best in this situation. Yeah, look, I mean, this is just – this is throw a dart. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't bet any of them. No, well, these dudes I, I are players, too. I don't think they're getting to Justin Fields tonight. Well, yeah. I don't think they're getting to Justin Fields tonight. You don't think they're, they're, they're going to get to Justin Fields? I don't think they're getting – Okay. All right. I think he's too slippery. Yeah. That's my that's my guess. Okay. I would I would I would save my I would save my money to to waste it on something else because I don't feel good about any of those four options. All right, let's take a break. When we return, Jamal Adams under scrutiny for his interactions with the unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant. He's issued an apology. What does it all mean though when a player who has a concussion tries to argue with those who are trying to keep him out of the game? We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. Monday Night Football, the ninth snap for Jamal Adams in 385 days. Goes in low, helmet down, takes a knee to the head and clearly in distress from the moment the blow happened. Concussion-like symptoms, ataxia now, the buzzword, the stumbling, the wobbling. You see the knee strike the helmet. That had to hurt Daniel Jones, too. Jamal Adams taken off the field. Not himself. And here he is with the unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant, not happy that the red hat, as they call him, is told uh, to um, leave the field and exit the game. So he's being scrutinized and possibly will be disciplined by the NFL. Here's his apology. First and foremost, I want to apologize to the OG. You did everything right when you realized I was concussed. I apologize for any negative energy I brought your way. Watching the replay, I am thankful for your patience. Knowing I wasn't myself in that moment, you're a real one and you serve a great purpose that benefits the NFL and so many players. Prioritizing players' health is essential. Much respect to you. This is a very artful way to issue the apology because embedded in that is the key observation. 
I wasn't myself in that moment. I don't understand how the NFL could discipline someone who is in the throes of a brain injury for acting in a certain way when his brain is impaired. Football players are wired to play. He hadn't played for 385 days. He is processing the disappointment that he's being told he can't continue to play while he has a brain injury. And we all know he has a brain injury. And I'm not condoning the behavior, but it's the behavior that is the product of a clearly impaired brain. I really hope the NFL factors that into whatever it is they're thinking about doing with Jamal Adams. Agreed. A hundred percent. And I mean, you know, uh, the uh, you know even some of the fans who have been on him a little bit it's just like hey, hey he likes football he he wants to play he wants to compete it's been a long time but yeah there's got to be like anybody that's been around a guy that's been like pretty severely concussed and a little bit out on his feet they they don't think coherently they don't and they say things that don't make sense and he obviously got emotional and lost there so yeah, I'm not with it. I'm listen. I'm a little bit to the point too. Of I'm a little sick of the NFL and how easily they like to find everybody. I'm just I'm a little. I've had it a little bit. I've never seen a group of rich people that like to take away money quicker than from people. I really am. They need to find a new system of this. It can't be guys losing a game check four weeks in a row for what we think was a legal hit and we never played football or this or that. I I'm sick of it. They need to come up with something like maybe with like a three strikes, then you get fined, something like that. But I, I see guys on a weekly basis, you know, get fined multiple weeks in a row going, man, this guy doesn't make that much money and he's almost playing for free because they deemed he lowers his head and maybe the running back did, but they think he did and it's subjective and I don't like it. And I think the NFL needs to rectify that a little bit. Two things, two things. Yeah. One the entire process is negotiated between the league and the union. This isn't the league I know. handing down an edict I know. on high. Two, two. now that there's transparency in the fine process for the first time ever, they unveil every fine that was imposed for on-field misconduct in the prior week. The one thing I want to see on the back end is what's the result of the appeal? Yeah. This is just the, the not the allegation, but this is the NFL saying this is your fine there's still a process where the fine can be challenged and the player has appeal rights. And sometimes the fine is rescinded through the appeal process. So I hope that the back end also has transparency that we find out not through reporting to, you know, whoever's going to post it on Twitter, an actual official document every week announcing the outcomes of the appeals from the prior fines. That's the only way to have a clear snapshot of who's getting fined, who's winning the appeals, and how much money players are ultimately paying for these things that the NFL thinks they did. But the union has agreed to this process, so it is, as they say, what it is. When we return, a draft of our favorite matchups for Week 5 of the 2023 season. We'll do that next here on PFT Live. This last one is from Week 3 against Bowling Green in the second quarter. Wilson, you see him right there. He's once again working out of the slot. He's played 97 of his 163 snaps there this season. And he's able to accelerate quickly with another free release. Look how badly he turns around the defensive back here. This is explosive acceleration throughout his entire route. It's no shock he's had massive production this year, and his stock will continue to rise in this wide receiver class. That's my guy, Connor Rogers, right there, already deep into this 2024 draft study. He's all over it, showing you Michigan wide receiver Roman Wilson in his weekly Big Ten film breakdown. You can find that full video on your YouTube.com slash NBC Sports channel. And on Big Ten Saturday night this week, we've got Michigan versus Minnesota. Catch it all on NBC and Peacock starting at 7 p.m. Eastern. Michigan's the real deal, Mike. And as you know, well-coached. Probably got a chance to have close to 20-something guys drafted. I got to see them in person. I got to see that kid, Roman Wilson, in person. He's legit. Uh, I think he's a guy that will climb up draft boards even more as the season kind of goes on, and I think he's going to test well, too. But, yeah, Michigan's got the look. They got lots of studs over there, Mike. A couple straight years, Jim Harbaugh almost went back to the NFL. I wonder if this is the year that someone makes a run at him if he gets Michigan back to the Final Four, maybe to the Final Two, maybe to the National Championship. We'll see. All right. 
It is week five matchup draft time, and we have a trivia question. And it is not easy. Since week seven of last season, Chris, the Bears have lost 14 in a row, and the 49ers have won 14 in a row. Who did the 49ers lose to? They lost by 21 points week seven of last year. And who did the Bears beat Mm. by 19 points week seven of last year? before they both embarked on their 14-game streaks. I have no idea. Well, I bet you have no I, idea. No, I got Do the 49ers know? one I got for sure. Not one, because you go when you go 21 points, you go, wait, wait. Oh, wait, you're right. They did lose the game. So that And then we watched it on Netflix, right? So the Kansas City Chiefs went into San Francisco and yeah. won that one. Yep. Now, the Bears' 19-plus points, I don't really know here. I'm not really sure. There's only one I know, game. I know now. Well, I got a tip. I, was gonna I got a tip. There's only Steve. one now game I, I felt like they dominated last year, and it was a Monday night game against the Patriots, right? So. Yep. Ding, 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 ding. There we ding, go. Ding, 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 ding. There we go. Yep. Yeah. That was the night that uh, McCorkle put a foot in uh, someone's groin. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Jaquan Brisker in the basket. He put the Brisker in the basket. All right. A brisk- you get the first pick. <laughs> Week five matchup draft. Well, I think um, I'm going to start off with, like, the best game of the weekend. And then, yeah, it's home-cooking Peacock NBC version, all right? Football night in America, Sunday night football, bam, okay? Yeah, Micah Parsons against this guy Trent Williams. Kind of excited to see that one. I mean, of course, we know the Cowboys defense versus 49ers offense is an epic showdown anyways, you know, it stinks that Trayvon Diggs got hurt for them too, right? And we don't see them at full strength. But still, we know this Cowboys team, um, they're legit. And Michael Parsons is the best defensive player in the NFL. And him one-on-one with the guy that's still the best left tackle in football, that's one that I look at to go, that's going to dictate the game a little bit, how they handle him. And if they get on third down and Trent Williams is comfortable with him all game, uh, that'll be a big advantage for the 49ers. And, of course, vice versa, if Micah Parsons starts to kick his butt and it becomes an issue for that Brock Purdy in his, in his offense there. My first one has lost some of its luster since the moment first emerged that that put this on our radar screen. And it really is kind of a de facto elimination game. Whoever loses is basically done. But Jets-Broncos, Sean Payton, Nathaniel Hackett, <laughs> all those comments that were made, yeah. everything about the Jets. And the Jets have enough of their own issues to worry about now. They're trying to build on the momentum that they found in their loss to the Chiefs on Sunday night. The Broncos trying to, to continue what they started last week against the Bears, even though their defense continues to be awful. But there is that undercurrent from the comments that Sean Payton made, and they will surely be raised at some point this week. And it really is an impactful game because I think the loser is cooked, and the winner can at least say maybe there's something we can do here, especially if the Jets can pull off that victory because it validates everything that happened on Sunday night and propels them toward a game where maybe they could surprise the Eagles who have not been blowing everyone out. So Jets-Broncos – one and three, one and three doesn't look good, but the Peyton Hackett angle looks very good. Oh, it definitely does. It, it's I, I expect that game to be chippy. I expect the Jets coaching staff is probably reminded the football team about it a little bit. They got to look for anything they can to get motivated, get ready for the football game, and that's the way they are anyways. So I'm I'm with you there. I, I think that's a really good one. It lost a little luster. You're right, but it's still damn awesome. It really is. I'm going to go to one we talked about a little earlier. You know, big picture thing here. Josh Allen versus Josh Allen, right? Really, and, and I say that too because, one, Jacksonville's offense has not hit its stride yet, and I don't think it's going to happen this week against this Buffalo defense. That's awesome. So I think if Jacksonville's to win this game or pull off the upset here, it is going to be on their defense, and their defense has been damn good all year. I mean, they gave, we know, Mahomes and Kansas City issues, right? They were good last week against the uh, the Atlanta Falcons, but this is a different animal. But if they want to win the game, yeah, they're gonna, Josh Allen on the Jaguars got to play damn good to slow down Josh Allen of the, the, the Buffalo Bills, who's hot right now. In Pittsburgh on Sunday at the confluence of the three rivers, John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin will meet for the 34th time. Only two coaches have squared off against each other more times. Curly Lambeau and George Hallis 
met 49 times. Harbaugh and Tomlin, number two at 34. Tomlin is 18 and 15 against Harbaugh. The Ravens are favored. The Steelers might not have Kenny Pickett. But this Harbaugh-Tomlin thing, it's going to end one of these days, and we will have taken it for granted. It's just been part of the fabric of football, Chris, since 2008. All right, we'll take a break. One more round when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, week five is upon us. Matchup draft, something we do every Thursday morning. Chris, we're up to round three. You are up. I'm going to go with one that's like a little, I think, off the radar. But I think if you've really been watching a little bit, you'd go, hey, yeah, there is some interesting things here. Mike McDaniel versus Wink Martindale. The Giants' defense has been quietly a pain in the butt. I mean, again, it was 14-3 to with the Giants on the doorstep. And let's not forget, Daniel Jones fumbled on, like, what, the two his own four-yard line the other day or, or close down to his own end zone there, right? The week before that, the game was 17-12, 49ers over Giants in mid-late the third quarter, right? The Cowboys game we know was an offensive debacle. So I think that could be secretly interesting one way or another. The Giants slow them down or the Dolphins go off. Last one for me, rematch of Super Bowl four. most importantly, the first time ever, Patrick Mahomes versus a Kirk Cousins, who was watching the baseball on a Tuesday instead of a grinding a film of the Chiefs of defense. Oh, no, here come the Chiefs. Mahomes Cousins, they've never met before. They've never met before. We'll see what happens on Sunday, 425 Eastern. Should I'll be, be all over Florio in the viewing Coming room. Later in the day, watch out for it. See you Friday. Everybody see ya. Day. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 